Hi, I'm David. I'm Doug. And we are Beyond Hungry. So, David, this is uh, this is episode two. Um, we, we, we made it. And I, I think on top of that, this is our first attempt at an interview uh, with, with a guest. So can you tell us a little bit about our first guest? Yeah, our first guest is Irvin Idio, chef owner of Lumpian Co., um, little Filipino food vendor here in Des Moines, Iowa, and a great friend of the podcast. And Doug, you and I were like talking about like who do we interview. We have like a huge list, and <laughs> like you said, like this is our first interview, and we had not much experience interviewing people. So I was like, hey, why not reach out to a friend? He was excited and gave us a lot of his time. I think you're the one who first told me about Lumpia and Company, right? Uh, I think you we we would been at the farmer's market that previous weekend and you were like, hey, you have to find this stand. They're serving Filipino food and you were really, really, really excited. And so I think it took a couple of weeks of just like frantically searching around for it. But eventually I found it and was just like blown away uh, because I had not, you know, I don't know that much about Filipino food. Uh, I know about like adobo and like that's like that's about it. Uh, and so it was really nice to try some different dishes and to talk to them and to really see that kind of like passion and energy. I think Filipino food isn't like known lots of places. I feel like it's mostly known in like the the West Coast and, you know, bigger cities. But it's really hard, you know, finding it in in a lot of like locations. You know, there's Filipinos everywhere. I mean, <laughs> yeah. that's that is a fact, but it's really hard to um, find a lot of restaurants or even like the appreciation for Filipino food. I feel like it gets overlooked mm-hmm. lots, lots of times. And, you know, my wife is Filipino and I grew up with Filipino friends. So it's, it was really nice and refreshing to be able to find um, someone who does Filipino food and has like the hospitality and enjoyment and the, the good vibes as, as Irvin. So, yeah. Yeah. And I think the interesting thing about this, you know, it's a little bit all over the place, to be fair. Uh, and as interviewers, we're going to practice and we're going to get better at this oh, yeah. and give it more focus. But I have to say the best thing about this is after that conversation, I felt I had some answers, but I had even more questions. It, is that how you felt, David? Yeah, definitely. There's definitely things that I'm going to go when I go back to Chicago um, with Megan's family and just talk about that and see if we can recreate some dishes and just learn more about the cuisine and the history and you know the the types of foods in all the different islands so yeah i mean hopefully whoever like people who are listening to this episode to look up some of these dishes look look up for your nearest filipino restaurants and try some things with us and uh let us know so yeah let's get started let's get started With COVID-19, we're in quarantine. Everyone's trying to stay home. The Des Moines Farmer's Market, where, you know, you usually have your stand. That's not happening, you know, right now. They're still waiting to see when that will open up. But I want to talk about, like, what your experience at the Farmer's Market was like before you were a vendor there. Yeah. Do you get to go when you're not a vendor, like when Lumpian Company isn't there? Absolutely. We would be there early morning just to get the bibs on on fresh produce. Uh, Obviously, eat the food. Uh, We were... Our stand was uh, on a spot right next to the pupusa ladies. <laughs> yes. The pupusa in them. Wait, what's your order? What's your order? My goodness, the uh, the the pork with the uh, uh, sometimes they would make the arroz con leche. Mm-hmm. 
on a mm. special. So I would always get that. And uh, so we would get that. And then on the other side of our tent, there's an, uh, an Asian family that have the best produce. Like, like, like everybody comes to this spot. When we're at the farmer's market, all these people is like just surrounding this tent to get produce from this Asian family. And so I remember when we are not at the farmer's market, we always try to check them out and we would always try to get in line to get uh, fresh produce from them. And the next thing you know, we're over there at Pupusa Ladies getting some pupusas. Um, we're on the street where they were serving pastries there from Europe and coffee. So we were at the good spot. So like at the farmer's market, we would always check out all the stuff that um, are recommended by friends. So do you feel like you kind of lucked out in your location? That oh, you were placed? Oh yes. Oh yeah. Like the when they when they put us at that spot, I was like really, really worried because the first day, man, pupusa ladies, they they had lines. So then now people <laughs> start recognizing all oh, these people over Filipino people over here serving good food. Let's get some Filipino food. What was your order like as far as like before you had a stand? Like what what were you looking forward to trying the farmer's market? Like a top five. Like top five. Top five. Let's see. Uh that's fresh, vegan. Nice. Um, and then we would go to we would go to get coffee at the the guy that hauls his um coffee joint, Iowa Coffee Company. Ah, uh, okay. Yeah. Pupusa ladies three. Four is the uh Shoot, they have those sesame mo- mochi bowls. We mm. would get that, and then the 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 juice company. Mm. Okay, David, what are your top five? My top five. Yeah. Oh man. Um, besides Lumbia and Company, because you know we have to, we have to go there. <laughs> so, uh, seeing that my wife is my wife is Filipino, uh, I would say the Vusas, the Bosnian um, vendor that has his cabbage rolls. Yeah, that yes. are just phenomenal. Yeah. Yeah. I love those. Um, kolaches. Gorgeous kolaches. Gorgeous yeah. kolaches. And just yeah. got to get some like pad thai or some mong egg rolls. Yep. Uh, how about you, Doug? Before you went on the scene, I was always at like the Steve's Chef Kebab because yep. they would have bao. Yep. But their bao inside, it wasn't just like, you know, barbecue pork. It was, it was like Chinese sausage. Yep. Hard-boiled eggs. Yeah, I had hard-boiled There used to be a Korean stand, but I, I don't think they're there anymore. Oh, Just yeah, 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 yeah. Now yeah. Uh, there was a Korean family there that does dumplings. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. There is, uh, yes, the the dumpling dumpling house, I think is what Something it is. Something like that, because we shared the kitchen with them at the Mickle Kitchen. Yeah, those are hand-rolled. Like fa- this family is a husband and wife and their kid. They would go early morning. Oh, my goodness. Every single time I go there and they're there, I have to get at least five. Oh, absolutely! Because they're they're really they're they're really fresh. They're really juicy dumplings, yep. Yep. Uh, and they do. You know what they do? They don't do just the soy sauce. They have the black vinegar there, yep. which is like the way to do it. Exactly. Um, Your the first vendor you talked about was you mentioned a vegan stand, and Filipino food is very meat based. Absolutely. What Filipino cuisine or what transitions are you creating that is adapting? Filipino food is is a lot of meat, but we also eat a lot of vegetables. Like, <laughs> I guess that's really, you know, uh, eating a grilled chicken. We would always need to have some type of vegetable 
to offset the meaty flavor that we're eating. So I think it's just the taste buds that we have to accompany meat dishes always with vegetables, always. So like to me, growing up, it was it was uh, the the pancit. Like we would make that vegan, just vegetables. That's it. Mm-hmm. Wait, can you and can you explain what pancit is? Pancit is rice noodles, stir fried rice noodles. So like um, a lot of vegetables that we eat are more of like the the stir fried. Um, uh, chop suey, which is the uh, just a medley of cabbage, carrots, peppers, celery, all these things, and cooked in a, a, a thickened soy sauce uh, base. Um, menudo, which is made out of tomatoes, peppers, carrots, potatoes, and braised in uh, tomato base broth, and then thickened with with all the starches that you put in there. Like, can you talk a little bit more about menudo? Because you know. When I hear it, I automatically like go to Mexican menudo. Absolutely. So yes. can, can you can you go a little bit more of like what else is in, in your menudo besides like the tomato and yep. some of the vegetables? So the, the menudo was uh again uh influenced from our uh Spanish culture. Uh I believe it was uh made mainly with uh pork. With the menudo that we I I uh I grew up eating, mom would always just not include pork. That menudo, um, in, in, in Mexico, how, how is menudo cooked? Yeah, David, what's, what's Mexican menudo? Mexican menudo is completely different, and it would be so much healthier <laughs> if it included all those vegetables that, that you listed. Um, so menudo, it's not, like, we don't put, like, chicken or like that. It's made from stomach lining, from okay. beef stomach line, lining. Yep. Yep. Um, and it uses a lot of like dried chilies that get blended in together and that gives it, it's red. Mm-hmm. Um, it's redness for that. And there's all those garlic, oregano, and the only topping, you know, when you, when you eat it, you put, you know, like fresh white onion and cilantro, some lime, avocado, but it's mostly crushed peppers, oregano, and the seasonings that give it the, the redness. And then it's just stewed and and breaking down the the stomach lining. But so then you would you would eat that with a taco with a soft taco or yeah right? you get a tortilla. So a tortilla would be like your bread, and yeah, you can absolutely. do it. And the the two the different ways you know there's a there's a technique that you roll it where you put it flat in your palm okay. and then you just roll it like a taquito. Taquito, okay. Yeah, so you just yeah. roll it and then you just dip it, let it soak up some yeah. of the the broth, oh. and then you and then you eat it. But so here's the thing. Here's the thing. We will have a menudo fest at your house. You cook the Mexican menudo. I cook the Filipino menudo. Let's eat. Okay. <laughs> what I'm curious about is I wonder, I'm Korean and they're like, some of the soups have like a purpose. Yep. There's like a, like you eat certain soups at certain times yep. and there's always like soup with meals. So I'm curious, like does menudo in either like the Filipino version or the Mexican version, does it have a purpose? Is it like a get well thing? Do you know what I mean? So you know what? The menudo in the Philippines is more of a stew. So it's, it's really, really thick in like almost not, you can't really put it in a category of soups. So we have different soups like, I would say the sinigang, which is made with sour um, ingredients. And then there's the, the nilagang baka, which is the braised beef just with beef, black pepper and salt. 
cooked in, in water and boiled long and slow. Then you have the, then you have the sopas, which is the chicken noodle soup for mm. the rainy day when you're feeling sick. Sopas with, we, you know, chicken noodle soup, we, we, we put, um, uh, pasta on there and all these things. But to us, sopas, we put milk. Mm. Oh, milk <laughs> right right <laughs> that's interesting okay i haven't heard of that so so but but menudo in in the philippines do you is there a purpose is there like a, a or an occasion for for why you eat that okay yes um holidays um gatherings okay. special gatherings uh that that's cooked in uh special gatherings and usually put in a big bowl and there you go boom put it on the table and with 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 a big spoon and you just ladle it all over your steamed rice. Okay, oh, it goes over steamed rice. Absolutely. Oh. Okay, okay. So, David, like, what is it in Mexico? Is there like an occasion, or is there like a, a purpose for the for the menuda there? Sunday mornings. What? Okay, Sunday like it's, like it's it's so definitely before church. It's definitely it can be before or after church. Usually, it has its reputation. As far as like curing menu, like curing hangovers. Okay, it's a hangover soup. Okay, it's a it's a hangover soup. Um, <laughs> and it's you know I've seen it in videos where people taste like hangover cures from different around the world, and yeah. for some reason a lot of people choose choose the menu though. I personally uh-huh. never had that experience. You know, as a child, I just grew up eating it on yep. Sundays. Mm-hmm. So it, it, you know, I would like to try it. Maybe we should party one night on a Saturday and see how it <laughs> how it works on <laughs> Sunday Sunday morning. Um, so back back to the farmers market. Is there anything that you would like to serve, but you're a little fearful how it will be received? Whoa, that's a good question, David. Like um, from the first day, uh, I've always thought about that because. I want to explore what people of Des Moines are willing to, to taste. You know what I mean? Like, I want to offer them something like maybe I can do a special of, of this dish and see how they would accept it. But I was always so, like, um, pushed back because I'm thinking, man, what if they don't accept it and they just, you know, say bad things about Lumpia and company after they have this meal? You know what I mean? Like, those things. But, like, the... The um the dinuguan, which is the pork blood stew. <laughs> pork blood stew. Ask Megan about it. It's black. <laughs> it's literally black. I've I've seen her ants eat it. I've I've been oh! wanting to try it. Yo. So wait, the, the the blood is in the broth. It's not like chunks of it. No, no. It's it's actual. It's an actual it's blood. It. You mix it with the broth, and it turns oh, black. Okay. It doesn't oh, nice. coagulate. No, nothing like that. It turns it black. Okay. So then you eat it again. You lay it on top of steamed rice. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Rice is like the blank canvas of, of Filipino food. That's why we have our food so salty, um, sour, sweet. The rice balances it out. When you, you, when you put uh, a bite of rice on something very salty and all these things uh, sour, it balances everything out. Real quick about the rice and balancing out. Have you ever seen anyone dip their hand in coffee and pour it onto the rice. <laughs> that's what we grew up eating in the Philippines. Okay. Wait, that that's a thing. Okay. That's I have, thing. I've not heard of this Yo, before. Breakfast. When you don't have garlic rice, you have 
uh, uh, day-old um, uh, rice in the fridge and you have coffee, sugar, put it in a bowl, boom, you have your, you have your breakfast. Okay, okay. I was, well, I was just where curious. Where did you get this question, David? Um, so Megan, she, she would tell me this, that she would grow up, you know, with her aunts and her Filipino family. And she would like see them like eating breakfast <laughs> oh, and then they would eat rice and they would just scoop, scoop um, coffee from their mug into the rice, mix it up and eat it. So yep. I was like, I was just curious. And she always, she always wondered yep. if other people did it, you know, and she was like, you know, kind of not saying nervous, but never got the opportunity to ask mm -hmm. if that was a Filipino thing or is that just something like that her aunts did because, you know, they grew up coming you know from the philippines and you know her grandma came like was through the war and went through the whole world war ii so she was just wondering if it was something they did by the yep. by means or was just like a cultural thing so it's good to hear that you have experience with that oh <laughs> bro sometimes did she mention that sometimes it's accompanied by salted fish i would have salted, to ask her salted dried fish ask her it's called tuyo yeah. Yep. P-U-Y-O. Okay. It's dried oh, okay. fish that are dried and, and, and fried. Yo, this is salty. Like, it's salty fish. It balances the rice with the sugar and the hot coffee. For some reason, it works. <laughs> I really want to try this actually now. I, I, I feel maybe. like that, that actually, it, it sounds strange, but I actually think no, I could take that. No, it's very strange. My goodness. Like, I keep asking myself, yo, this is what we were eating. It was so good, but it was really strange. Like, what kind of rice uh, is used in the Philippines, or what kinds of rice are used in the Philippines? So, um, my 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 memory of of um, rice in the Philippines was, I believe it was more similar to jasmine rice. Okay. The way we would cook it, we didn't we didn't have rice cooker when I was growing up. It was when I was like okay, fourteen fifteen that we. We had a rice cooker, but we would cook it in a pot, measure the water in the, on the first line of our mid. Yeah, you, you, do, you do the hand measurement too. So I don't do the vertical one. Oh, you so, don't? Sorry. For, for everyone who's, who, you know, you can't see this, like okay. there's, a, uh, you, can, you can kind of point your hand down yep. and you said you measure to the first knuckle? First knuckle. I do the, in, I do the inside line, not the outside line. Okay, so the so you put your hand in the and then your 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 fingertips hit the rice, right. and the water has to come up at the first knuckle, exactly the inside one. Yep. The way that I do it is I put my hand flat, flat. on the rice, okay. and it has to come up to my um, the last knuckle. Oh, that's so hard to measure because how far <laughs> do you put your hand in there, right? You just kind of put it flat. You put it flat. Okay, okay. So like this. Okay. So like you rest the the it rests on the rice. Your palm, and so okay. Yeah, and so the the reason, like, this is this is because I have to do this now because my rice cooker broke. <laughs> oh, absolutely. <laughs> but the thing is, like, you know, like in Korea, like, and I think Japan and like a bunch of other places do this. You wash the rice, yeah. right? So you have to get all the like the silt and yeah, yeah, at least twice until it like runs kind of more clear. Yeah. But when you wash the rice, you can't measure out like oh one and a half cups of water exactly. with this much rice because when you wash it, you add water to the rice and now you can't take it out again. Exactly. And so the best method has always been always with your hand. Blended. You measure with that yep. and you always get the right amount now yeah now i just want to ask how meeting people make rice because <laughs> white rice was never a thing growing up for me yep. Yep. you know and 
and it was like i remember even like my uncle discovered white rice and he would order chinese like chinese food and he'll be like i'll take three cartons of white rice and that's it <laughs> but yo um i love mexican rice like how do you make it so with mexican rice like you know we we rinse the rice out and then we put it in a pan but before we put it in a pan we put some oil okay or a little bit of um manteca which is pig pig lard pig lard and then you put in the ice there yep. the, the rice and you put in the rice and you toast it toast it yep. you brown the rice you try to mm. get it as golden brown as possible wow and then when what that creates it, it puffs up the rice so okay. then when when you put it in there once you put in the sauce it's usually like kind of like the same sauce as salsa uh-huh. so you get tomatoes onion garlic yep. Yep. Uh, a little bit of cilantro uh-huh. and a little bit of chicken broth and then you you know you try to balance you know the the one cup two two cup liquid yep so you're trying to get the sauce ratio the same so that'll be your liquid and then what you put in there so once you get that simmering you put a celery stalk, some parsley, cilantro, and a small sweet baby onion, and then you just cover it that way. And let it let it um, steam, or let it. Uh... Yes, let it steam. Okay. So that creates it creates a very very fluffy fluffy rice because of the uh-huh. toasting, yeah. and then you get the flavors from the celery, the sweet onion, which my brothers my siblings will fight over because it's like super sweet and then you get the tomato flavor that gets into it oh wait it's a whole onion yeah it's a whole onion oh so wait so that celery stock is also whole as well yes and usually you're you, not you like, remove i thought that. you were chopping that up no oh, you remove that you onion. remove those you leave the onion in yes so so people someone will get wow, served i want to try, try making this <laughs> and and it's delicious and then you can throw in like mixed vegetables and stuff like that if you mm. want to make it Absolutely. but yeah that's that's was my experience and it's like making it rice either you didn't toast it enough or I think the salsa is the the very powerful one because that's where most of the flavor comes from. I always find it interesting in like the 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 different forms of like rice between cultures and like Irvin. It sounds like other than like the garlic rice, you know, it's it's you're making the thing that goes on top of just the the blank canvas, the white rice, yeah. which I feel like is very similar to Korean food. And you know, like we have a fried rice too, but like that's a very intentional like leftovers thing. But normally it's like you have just plain white rice and then you have, you know, you have like a stew that you you eat it with or you you pour something over it or you you have just like really salty, strong flavored, really funky things that you eat with it. And then but so you have these big contrasts and then David, what you're describing is this more like kind of integrative approach of like you're going to just going to cook everything into that and. Anyway, so you said that your uncle like discovered white rice, you know, at some point and would like, is that, is that a big, like, what would he do with it? So he's a lot older. So I remember I was, we ordered Chinese food on a Sunday and we're eating at his house and he just grabs a carton of white rice and just starts eating it just straight out the carton. What? And he's <laughs> with like, nothing else. And, and he will close his eyes and he'll be like, this is so delicious. He's like, it's sweet. It's, it has the texture, like he's like, it's just something that he didn't grow up with that yep. when he tried it for the first time, it was a whole different experience. You know, if you think about like, you know, rice is so integrated into like our culture, like growing up that we don't really think much of it. But when you get a different version and you're like, what is this? What's this new stuff? And we think like rice doesn't have a flavor and we top it off with things. And, yep. but even if you just eat with egg, egg and, and rice, white rice by itself, it has a different flavor. Yeah, so yeah. for him, watching him just eat, rice on its own 
and just like closing his eyes and just making it taste like he just bit into a, a, a delicate dessert, you know? <laughs> and, it, and it was, and it was, it was a very powerful moment. I feel like, cause yeah. for something I so would, simple that we you know a lot, I, I feel like we take for granted it. There's so, there's so much power within it and it's used yeah. so many times that it does play the second, the second fiddle, you know, it plays the second position to everything on top. So that's, that's kind of, I don't know. I just found that pretty amazing. And just talking about rice and how rice is pretty powerful. Yeah. I mean, I would, I would see Christy just eat uh, a bowl of fresh white rice sometimes. And she was like, yo, what are you eating with that? I don't know. Just this. It's good. Like, okay. Like for me, like sticky rice. I remember when I first had sticky rice and I just, that's all I wanted. And I was, I was, uh, the rolling walk yep. up in the, in the, the east side. And we ordered a dish and it came with sticky rice and I ate it. And I'm like, oh, like my friend like, asked my friend who's Chinese and he's like, oh, that's sticky rice. And he's like, it's, it's a little sweet. And I, and I, and I ate it with my hand and it just like blew my mind. And I'm like, this is all I want. Right. Right. This is, this is all I want. Just dip it in a little bit of sauce. Yo, I really like sticky rice, but I have no like frame of reference on how to actually eat it. Sometimes restaurant would offer you like a a, a, a coconut type of sauce that you dip it in. Like they serve it with mangoes. Oh my goodness. Yeah, so I never knew what to do with that. And so like I have to just like lean on like whatever my experience with rice is, which is, you know, so like what I would do is I would like get that bag of rice, I would open it up and I'd throw it in a bowl and I'd get a spoon. <laughs> but, <laughs> which is like I'm guessing is not the right way, but it's I, just like I guess, I guess you can eat it however you want. Like you're what Doug said was like, you know, eating sticky rice and he had to grab the spoon. And for me, it's like, I use my hand and, and I want to ask you, Irvin, you know, in, in, in the Filipino culture, I know like eating with your hand is something that, that is so like ingrained and in experienced with it. Do you still, do you still eat with your hand or like, Ooh. um, Absolutely. can you talk a little bit more about like just that experience or like what you yeah. think is the positive of not using utensils well like i think for all of us it's all i think natural like you know as humans we would just eat with our hands chicken wings whatever it is we're using we're using hands like to me it's just more of growing up rice we would eat rice with some type of meat and we would just ball up the 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 bite into our hands and pop boom like I don't second think it just comes naturally on how I would, I would eat with my hands because I find using fork and spoon um, unnecessary for, for what I'm trying to do. I want to enjoy this and lick my fingers. You know what I mean? Like, yo, I'm eating fried chicken with, with my hands. Why, why grab a (laughs) fork or a spoon to get a bite of rice? We eat fried chicken with rice. Like, you know what I mean? So it's, it's, I think it's more of a comfort thing. Like whatever you eat with your hands is just gonna like make the, whatever you're eating special. And I think it, 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 it's may make it more delicious to me, I think. And, you know, just, just by using your hands, it makes it more um, close to your heart. Like, you know, Filipinos, we just, we would just eat with our hands with, without even thinking about it. 
I'm starting. I'm starting my baby boy young. Just just feeding him. With, <laughs> <laughs> I'm gonna feed you with my hand. Oh, well, I guess um, one thing I do want to talk a little about a little bit once again because we're in the middle of quarantine, coronavirus, COVID nineteen, whatever. Like, do you feel like being in this situation like makes you cook differently? You know, at home. Oh, absolutely. So normal home cooking would be the. Uh, okay, for breakfast, I would just want to eat some garlic rice, egg, and uh, lumpia. You know, fry some lumpia. You know, just uh, uh, my take on uh, sausage. <laughs> you know what I mean? So, like, um, so th- those are kind of things that I would cook, like just normal cooking. I wanna, I wanna eat some adobo. Let's let's make some adobo. Cool. But like for quarantine cooking, it's more of okay. Um, I wanna be adventurous and ambitious. Let's do some. Uh, um, rotisserie chicken lechon manok where i just i just buy whole chicken and i use my my charcoal grill and kind of um modify some um thing to to hang the uh chicken and make it and just kind of roast it slowly on my charcoal grill <laughs> nice but the work the labor is so intense and like you know after after you enjoy it's like man i just put all that work into this thing and i devoured it in like 30 minutes like quarantine cooking just kind of like makes you okay i'm gonna put this time in boom devour it in like 20 minutes we're good like you know (laughs) marinating meats uh for two days and then enjoying it like christy like loves um chicken in a salad which is the the barbecue chicken we marinate it in the calamansi the lime garlic ginger cane vinegar and sugar that's it a little bit of soy sauce that sits in there for like a day or two. So it cooks it slowly, right? And then you hit, you make the uh, the charcoal and all these things. You put, you you hit it in the, um, um, on the grill. You baste it with the uh, anato, achuete, anato seeds, which is like little seeds that turns red. Like if you cook it in uh, oil, you render mm-hmm. out the color of the seeds and it turns mm-hmm. the oil red, like amb- deep amber color. You know, you know what I've seen them. I've seen those um, those uh, goya sazon packets. They sometimes have, I think, one like con anato or sin anato. Yes. Boom. That's okay. Yeah. Okay. So the way the way you know labeled jaba oil anyway. So like you would cook. Uh, you just buy a, a jar of oil, anato seeds at Sea Fresh or wherever you would get it simmer it down until you see the, the oil just change color. You can mm-hmm. use this to fried rice. It turns the rice into this deep amber um, color, the way we would serve it at the farmer's market. Nice. Yeah. So it sounds like you're getting more adventurous with your cooking during this time. Oh, yeah. And that like you're really like investing in things that take a long time as well. Oh, yeah. Developing recipes and developing menus, you know, like, you know, I always have my book to write down stuff, making... Um, mm-hmm. Uh, bread, our, our our signature Filipino roll, which is pandesal. David, have you heard of this? Yes, I have. I have no idea oh, what this okay. is. Can you David, tell me what we this can, is? We can relate to this because pan de sal. Bread of salt? Yep. Salt bread. I, I took a little <laughs> bit of high school <laughs> Spanish, thank you. Very nice. <laughs> so yeah, the way um, you know we would, we would uh, make it in the Philippines, like you know, tasting pandesal made by other people, like, um, so now it's became more, uh, really, it's, 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 pandesal is like sweet. So like, really, there's not a lot of salt in a, 
na uh, uh, pandesal, but I guess before the way they would they would make it, it was very salty. Hence the name pandesal. So that now um, fast forward to to this generation to, to, today, it, it has become more. I think the taste has sweeter. I, I add milk on mine and sugar, so like there's no. Oh, speaking of pandesal, guys, hold on. Made some pandesal, boom. Oh, sweet. <laughs> oh, nice. So, uh, yeah, let me know. I would I would make a ba- batch for both of y'all. It would take a little bit of time. So so while everyone else is working on their sourdough, you're here doing pandesal. Yeah, okay. Right. <laughs> there we go. Yo, you know what's crazy, bro? Like, um, we were trying to hunt for some active dry yeast. All the stores that we went to, Sam's, uh, yeah. Ivy, they're gone. So people are baking. People are baking like crazy right now. I mean, I I am too. I, I mean, I've got like a. I think we're doing sourdough tonight. Yeah, yep. Doug's Doug's um, part of the problem. Yeah, I'm part of the problem. But I was making like the Hokkaido milk bread and like a bunch of other things and focaccia. Yeah. But yeah, it's such a great thing to explore. Like I never really realized I would love baking. Like right now, I I just got done making some cookies. David, you you're gonna have to t- taste my cookies, Doug. I'm gonna get you a bag. My goodness, nice. yo, salted. Marshmallow chocolate chip cookies. Nice. Boom. David, what about you? What's what's quarantine cooking like for you? I kind of reverted back of like to my parents' household. Um, so, you know, I, I cook a lot of food. I have like a lot of two days of just heavy cooking and it's just my refrigerator is just full with containers. So my whole thing is like experimenting and also kind of like, you know, of not being able to be with my family kind of forces me to start cooking things that my parents will cook just to kind of like remind me of them. Um, so I was like, try to create, recreate things that I have already either cooked before, but kind of just mastering it a little bit more, trying to push mm-hmm. it a little bit more flavor. Um, and just even learning new things that I've always been curious about doing. But the one thing that quarantine has taught me is like, instead of like just cooking, like, Dinner here and there is just that I just cook a lot more and I'm pretty yeah. much more open to trying new things. Like I went to the store and I saw this, this uh, plank of maguey, which is the, it's essentially like the plank of the agave plant. So like that got, giant yeah, yeah. thing. So grabbed it. And then I was talking to my dad, like, what is this for? How do you use, how do you cook with it? Wow. Learning about it. And essentially it's how you make barbacoa. So you make like you make lamb. Oh man! So essentially, it's like it's it's what gives it the lamb its flavor, and it has like a smoky flavor, and you used to cook it. So I have that, and you know, Megan's like, "What is that? Why'd you buy it?" So, <laughs> so then like, and the thing is also like, you know, Megan, you know, we can't go back to Chicago, and you know, Irvin's not doing the farmers market right now because of what's going on. So, you know, she's craving Filipino food. So right now, it's like me trying to learn Filipino food, and so it's her. So it's kind of like going into that phase of like learning we have no choice if you know if we want it we have to make it how about you doug what's what's your quarantine cooking or food like i i think i'm on like Irvin's side of like just doing really adventurous things that i've never tried before so like i'm baking and i i i've i've i'm lucky that i have like a scale because like that's always the thing that i hear about is like I feel like there's a generation of bakers out there who just do everything by volume and use like the cups and stuff. And I remember trying that and everything was turning out awful and I got a scale and converted everything to like grams. And 
I feel like I at least have like a fighting chance to get some of this stuff yeah. right. <laughs> um, but like, you know, I am making lots of mistakes. Thankfully, I'm finding some recipes that are like hard to mess up, yep. <laughs> uh, which is good. So it's it's branched me out into baking a lot more. I'm also just it's 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 part me wanting to cook whatever I'm craving right now because everything is so scary right now <laughs> and I just like need some comfort and also oh I don't have everything that I need I'm gonna have to make some really really scary substitutions <laughs> and just Man. just just giving it a shot and seeing what happens and you know it's it's honestly like it's working out okay like I've I've been cooking long enough that I know some smart substitutions to make when I cook you know if I don't have the right kind of vegetable I can sub in a you know an appropriate kind of vegetable that has the same texture or that will cook down in the same way and will add the same qualities. And it's, it's, it's been fun to kind of, it occupies my mind a lot. It gives me a lot of peace of mind. Yeah. That's what cooking is for me a lot. It's just, it takes the stress out of my day. Absolutely. It's such a great thing when, you know, when you're trying to be in the kitchen and like, yo, what's going to satisfy my stomach and at the same time, my, my soul, my heart, I just want to <laughs> eat this one food that I want to make. I can't get mm -hmm. it anywhere else. I have to make it. <laughs> Boom. Next thing you know, you're 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 braising this, you're you're boiling this, and you're making all these things like just to make this one bowl of whatever you're trying to eat. David, I you know, you mentioned, you know, trying to master dishes, you know, that you've you know, that have been in your repertoire for a long time. Um, is there a dish, and this is for everyone really, is there a dish out there that you've been cooking for a long time, but you can't you're still working on getting it right? like the way that you used to have it somewhere is that, do you, do you know what I mean? Yes. That there's, 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 there's something you, you, you used to eat when you were a kid and you've tried to recreate that. Uh, and it's, it's not there yet. And you're still trying to figure it out. Yep. Irvin, what's that for you? Okay. To me, it's always the adobo. It's such like all this ingredients. That's it. That's all you need. But next thing you know, it, you're putting too much vinegar. You're putting too much, soy sauce or you're doing this and next thing you know it just doesn't taste right like it's not hitting anything you know like how my mom would make it is just the right consistency of the 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 thick the thickness and the the broth is just shiny and glistening and the chicken is soft like yo what am i doing wrong with mine like <laughs> all those those things that i have to always do and then I make it perfect, not perfect, but really good. And it satisfied me one day. Next thing you know, I'm making it. Yo, why is this too soupy? Like, <laughs> what do I do? So that adobo is just like a killer. Like, I would make it three good ones out of nine. David, what about you? That's what I'm trying to think. Um, What's that white whale for you? The white whale, I guess it's like, I do want to make... Um, I think for me it's like pozole. Oh, so it's like pozole is like all about the the peppers and and like make sure like the broth is is perfect. So it's like yeah. it can't be too watery and it can't be like too heavily salted. So it's like that's for me right now. I mean, like there's there's lots of things that like as far as like for me mastering too. It's like I want to be able to create something just like like kind of like my mom, you know, like when you see like your mom's in a kitchen and it's like, there's no need to look at notes. 
there's no there's no measuring measuring is done by the hand exactly you know it's like you don't even use a, a measuring cup you just pour it directly from the container in <laughs> that's that's what like when i when i think about mastering is like i don't it's like i want it to become almost second nature mm-hmm. so like when i make rice it's like okay boom 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 i have this i can like open the fridge boom don't need to like, don't even need to like use any kind of measuring you just know so that's, that's like the, like when i make rice especially Mexican rice, like making it perfect. Or even like uh, something as simple as like fried beans. I think fried beans for one of like for us, like Megan has to make it because Megan, Megan, the the reason why I say Megan needs to make it is because she, she doesn't know what she puts in it, but when she's making it, she remembers. Oh yeah. 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 She's one of those. So, people. so she was like making it. And then after she's done, it's like, it tastes great. And I was like, what you put in it? She's like, I don't remember. I was like, I put some of this, I put some, like, how much of this? And she's like, you know, like, like this much, like, you know, like I gave it like three shakes. And so it's, <laughs> so it's like things like that, like, you know, it just becomes second nature and, and, and I really, really want to get to the point where like, all right, I can, what are we going to eat this week? Oh, we're going to do this. I already, I already know what I need for that. I don't need to like measure anything out, but how about you, Doug? What's your white whale? So this this is an odd one, but when I was in Korea, I would go to these diners, uh, essentially, that, like, the diner concept is just, like, it's just where you eat when you're not eating at home. And so it's, like, they have, like, gimbap, which is kind of, like, you know, Japanese, like, maki, but it doesn't have raw fish. It's just got, you know, sometimes it has spam. It's got, like, some pickles in it and some other things. But, um, but they would, it sounds, it's going to sound really silly, but, like, you could order, like, instant ramen there. Really? And yeah, yeah. It was just a thing that they would do. And like, so they get like a little like aluminum, kind of like that yellow brassy aluminum pot. Yep. And you'd see them, they'd have all these instant ramen packets that had already been opened, pre-opened. So they could do this very quickly. And they would have this big like thing of soup that they would ladle in into it and then throw the, the instant noodles in and then they would they would throw in like a couple of vegetables some green onions yep. like a couple other things and then they would crack an egg in there now i was watching a video I, on youtube i'm like man <laughs> this looks tasty <laughs> and like the thing is like i used to watch these uh, uh what are they, uh, ajuma which are like sort of like auntie yep. just these like middle-aged women who would who would work at these shops and i would watch them do this and and i would never know exactly what it was but for some reason like the instant ramen from one of those diners was always like better than what i could make at home wow. uh, like i would even buy the same like same same brand of ramen they were using but there was something in that pot that I don't know what it was that they were doing that just made it taste better. And I don't know what was in there. And so every time I make instant ramen, I try to like modify things. I try to do something with the broth to figure out like if I can kind of get back to that taste. Um, Which, like I said, it's really silly because it's like to get served instant ramen at a restaurant, but, or, or, or at a diner, but that's like, that's what it was. And I don't know if it was because that's where I was, you know, sitting down if that changes it or, you know, making it at home. But um, for some reason that I'm always experimenting, try and figure out what that flavor was that I was missing. I think really all of us just try to, um, what we're comfortable eating is what we have to, what we have to do. Like, you know, if mom's not around, yo, I gotta make this myself, man. Yeah. yeah. You know what I mean? So like, I think it goes back to how 
we would try to comfort ourselves with with the things that we enjoyed eating but you know mom's not there obviously to to do it for us so mm. we have to learn all those things as as easy as yo i just want to make rice In our next episode, we talk about how to preserve our ingredients longer, especially because we're taking less trips to the grocery stores now, looking into the past of how to use them and cook them differently, and using our extra time to learn something new. If you want to learn more about Lumpia and Company, you can follow them on Instagram and Facebook at Lumpiaco, L-U-M-P-I-A-C-O. Thank you again to Bo Branton, who supplies the music for this podcast. You can find him on Spotify and Instagram at Bo Brenton, B-E-A-U-B-R-E-N-T-O-N. Follow us on Instagram and Facebook at We Are Beyond Hungry. And if you have any questions or feedback or topics that you want us to talk about, email us at wearebeyondhungry at gmail.com. Thank you for listening.